0: Hey friendos. Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw, Dark Side of the Ring recap. And uh, this week we've got Collision in Korea, the largest attended uh, wrestling event perhaps in history, in recorded history, Larson. Yes. What did they say it was like 198,000 or 200,000? 189,000.
1: 189. 189, Two nights in a row.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, of course, it was forced attendance. (laughs) Yeah. This was, I'll be honest, I was sitting there watching this. And, like, obviously, you know, I need need a little bit of uh, historical context. I need a little bit of time. This might be my favorite episode of The Mall going back all the seasons. It's balls out crazy. And there's so much going on. It it made me because you know, Too Cold Scorpio was heavily featured in this in this episode, and and his was one of the main subplots, him and Hawk's beef. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it made me think of the the shoot interview compilation that talked about Sid and Arn mm-hmm. Scissor and Incident. Arne, yeah, yeah. And uh, Scorpio is a great storyteller and uh, unapologetic, and. It made me just think, man. This episode is like three separate dark sides rolled into one. You could do
1: a whole episode on 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 the Scorp- or the two called Scorpio and the uh, in Hawkbit.
0: Yeah, I, exactly. That's a whole episode right there. Yeah, um, I thought, and I thought it could function as a backdoor pilot for the Ricky Dozen episode. Yeah, because they're they they do like a mini, you know, uh, sort of a mini recap of uh, of Ricky Dozen and. You know, he was uh, Antonio. I was I forgot. I, you know, we didn't really ask um, Evan much about this episode during our, our talk with him, but they got Antonio Inoki. I know that's I pretty nice. was pretty shocked. I was like, mm-hmm. holy crap. Mm-hmm. That's That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty impressive. It, yeah, it was very impressive. This episode, it sort of was in the same. It, it sort of fell in the same and I think these are ones I just really appreciate. I mean, I can I can really appreciate the the family tragedy, but sometimes it's like a little too heavy for me. You know, it's like I can appreciate it, but I like to be entertained as well. And now that these are never entertaining, but this was endless entertainment. Um, I mean, nobody died. You know, like there was it was just a crazy adventure. It reminded me of the Herb Abrams one, which was just balls out crazy. But yep. then Herb died, and this was kind of yep. like that, but nobody died. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just North Korea has been something that's always kind of fascinated me and, and they, they really, I really appreciate that they brought the CNN correspondent into this.
1: Yes. I like that. They really brought in the, the, the dynamic between North Korea and Japan and that going back, you know, decades. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Um, and why there's tension there. Um, and I, I, they, they brought in the Ricky Dozen story. I think not only because Inoki was his pupil because. Uh, uh, Ricky Dozen was from North Korea. Yeah, and they they in this episode, I think it was shoot who mentioned it that the reason that that uh Ricky Dozen was killed was
0: because was well, because he was North Korean and try yeah. to hide that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Anoki. Oh. I think Anoki brought that up, didn't he? Or maybe it was just in the narration. It could have just been Jericho. I forget. I don't recall. I don't recall. Um, but uh but yeah, no, I thought I, I I really thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I wish that there were more historical events that Darkseid could cover that involve Scott Norton. Because and it's funny because even when our brief, very brief encounter with him at Starcast. Yeah. You know, dude, those guys who it, it it's it's funny how in the world of wrestling Certain guys age so well and other guys don't. And I do. And I part of me thinks it has something to do with, you know, the amount of drugs that they took back then Mm -hmm. because that has long term effects, you know, be it steroids or recreational. And I just suspect, given in what good shape both mentally and physically Scott Norton seems to be in, you know, he probably laid off back then. I don't know. That's just pure speculation on my part. He looks great and he sounds, he's a very good storyteller and he's a very. For being, you know, he talks about, you know, back then, nobody likes to be pushed around, especially wrestlers, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you've got these guards on your tail 24-7 and they're like, you know, blown up at you for no reason, this dude wanted to pop off and he sort of thought better. But I loved how diplomatic he was with regards to the Scorp- to, to the uh, too cold Scorpio Hawk stuff and, you know, saying, you know, Hawk was on all sorts of medication. I don't know what Scorp talks about, but uh, if Hawk was fine, he'd have laid him out. <laughs> but it's still—it's very like he doesn't want to have to address this, but he does. He's yeah. a really good storyteller.
1: He is, and you know, we we did have some limited interaction with him at uh, at Starcast, the second one in Vegas. His booth is like right behind ours. Yeah, just came off as like the warmest dude. Literally, he yeah. walked by and just put his hand on my shoulder. Yeah, just a little gentle squeeze, like. Just to say, how's it going? I hope you're having a good time. Yeah, you know.
0: Now you're in the NWO,
1: by the way. Like, I guess that's, so.
0: You're you're in, man. You're for life. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. I thought I thought it was a spectacular episode. It, uh, it you know it opens up, of course, with uh, Eric Bischoff uh, explaining his role in WCW um, and being approached by Antonio Noki with an opportunity.
1: It's it's interesting that still you know at least in the context of how it, it, he's presented in this episode so much. Of of his perspective on this is still through the prism of, to a degree, the Monday Night Wars.
0: Vince is still in the background.
1: Yep, it's yep.
0: always about Vince.
1: In the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is about Vince. because for, for Bischoff's perspective, is all about. Uh, we're still getting killed in the ratings. You know, we got Hogan, a Macho Man. Uh, I he he kind of rekindles the relationship with New Japan. It mm-hmm, yeah. hopes to uh, uh, improve. WCW's worldwide presence, their reach, mm-hmm. you know, so there's talent exchanges. You have a uh, great Muta showing up on nitro and they're sending sting and, and the Steiners over to Japan. There's that. And it's all, but that's all about because he can't compete with Vince at this juncture. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, comparatively to WWF, who is by far the largest national promotion, WCW, the way that it's presented in this episode is, they're still largely viewed, at least, as a regional thing, even though they do have national uh, TV
0: exposure. Because at this point in ninety, no, Nitro not, not sure wasn't until '96. Um, this was in '90. It was '90. It was set up in '94, and the, the the event took place in '95. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, it, you know, the the narration, Jericho's narration, indicates that WCW around that time was still viewed as a as a as a regional promotion, and yeah, it was, yeah. you know, once they got Hogan, things really did start to. You know, turn around in terms a of bit, the perception of the company. Yeah. yeah, it did. It did. It did. It did a bit. Um.
1: So, yeah. And so, yeah,
0: Bischoff reached out to Enoki, uh, but rekindled but just, that relationship. To go back to your point cancer. really quick, even at the end of the episode, it's not yes. as if Eric is satisfied with back then. What happened? He says to this day, Vince hasn't topped that. It's still there. He says, I think
1: Vince was livid. There was a wrestling event larger than WrestleMania. Yeah. And then he kind of laughs, laughs and says, but none of them paid to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he at
1: least includes that qualifier. Yeah, he does. But at the very end, he's like, you know, it's still the largest attended
0: wrestling event in the world. So I did that. I did that. Yeah. With a big grin on his face. And, and of course they, and of course, of course, there is at his moment of triumph when he's talking about it, there's him on a motorcycle arson <laughs> He loves the mo- he's going so, down he's got riding such down a serious the, look on his face on the motorcycle. the, the planes the plains of
1: Wyoming.'re right. Uh, so uh, yeah we, we, after that we get a bit of uh, a genesis of how uh, collision in Korea began or started. So Anoki uh, asked Bishop to be interested in, in in bringing some wrestlers over to North Korea for a peace festival. Um, And so at this time Inoki was still running New Japan But he's also in politics Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently he would make some Inoki would make Frequent trips Over to North Korea um, And then During one of them He just brought the idea Of having a wrestling show In the country He he
0: said offhandedly too Like it wasn't
1: even Yeah Like part of the agenda Or anything like that So uh, Apparently North Korea Wanted to bring in Some huge names Like Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali Mm -hmm. And interesting enough Inoki had Bischoff Reach out to Ali Yeah. Yeah um and they did mention here that Anoki did have a match
0: against Ali in the 70s i believe I think it didn't, was 76 yeah, it didn't go well either i'm kind of curious no. i'm kind of curious like i mean I, maybe it's out there maybe the the you, if you google it you can find it but their relationship after that because you know that match is known for being a bit on the contentious side it's supposed to be yes. basically rocky versus thunderlips and you know, it turned into Anoki sort of going after Muhammad Ali's legs, like in yeah, he was lying a, on his back. Anoki was both yeah. the match and kicking
1: at uh, Ali's legs. Yeah. So uh, as far as bringing WCW talent, uh, Bischoff asked about Hogan, and Bischoff says five minute conversation. Yeah. He asked Hogan,
0: "It's like, <laughs> can't go there, brother.
1: <laughs> can't go there, brother.
0: <laughs> I love you know. Hats off. Usually they get the, their their reenactors look." So much like in this case, the Hogan reenactor looked like the human form of the Rock and Wrestling cartoon Hogan. Yeah, as opposed, yeah, because by that time Hogan was kind of like sunken in a little bit. Like it wasn't he wasn't as puffy as he was in the mid '80s. And this dude was like he was like the Michelin man. He was was huge, big round head, huge. huge. (laughs) Hit the out of focus a little bit more on this guy. Yeah,
1: so Hogan's. Uh, a no, Ali. Uh, uh, once he was asked by Bischoff, apparently was was into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so Bischoff says, "Well, who is your Plan B?" Or asked, "Who is your Plan B?" And he goes, "Rick Flair." Mm. So apparently, Rick Flair was into it, but at the same time, kind of had his feelings hurt that he was Bischoff's second choice.
0: It, it, it which worked out. Which, it, you know, Rick Flair ended up working out probably much better than Hogan would have for reasons we'll talk about when we talk about the yeah, match. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, Norton tells Scott Norton tells us, he was informed he was going to be on the show. Uh, he, someone just came up to him and says, hey, you're going to be uh, at a show in North Korea in a month or something yeah, like that. Yeah, And then apparently a lot of the uh, the Japanese wrestlers in the, in the locker room were talking. Mm-hmm. And so he went to, to Masahiro Chono and asked, the, you know, hey, what's the deal with this? And he warned them, warned him that it uh, says that they want to kill us. So uh, this I found interesting. So Bischoff was talking about going through the cutting through the red tape of get permission to go to North Korea. This was insane. If it's true, if it's yes. true, this is crazy. And so uh, he says, he, you know, you have to wait six months to get permission. So I just didn't. From, I didn't from ask the
0: U.S. government, from the federal government, because yes. you yeah, have to from ask the State Department. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, from the State Department to travel to North Korea because there's still travel restrictions, or there was by back then. And he goes, I so I just I just I just didn't bother asking he said, maybe my boss knew
0: I was going. Dude, that's insane! That is nuts. That's absolutely crazy. Nuts. That is nuts. Yeah.
1: So this this bit is is interesting. So they all flew to Tokyo, and then from there they got on a plane sent to Tokyo by the North Korean government, a rickety plane to yeah. to to fly there, and it was a military craft. And Scott Norton described it as a piece of garbage made in the 1940s. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't have any of the amenities that you used to on a commercial aircraft, yeah, right. a military yeah. craft, you know. And so they are—they said that, you know, they, they were in Japan and there was, you know, media and it was crazy. They go to North Korea and there's nobody, nobody yeah. there. Yeah, I love the way go-
0: Scorpio described flying over how he said on this, you know, you get up to South Korea and you can see the cannons and the tanks lined up towards North Korea and then you cross over to North Korea and it's the same north it's it, it North Korea is an absolutely fascinating it is you know everything they and they do such a great job especially the CNN correspondent mm-hmm. did such a great job you know if you're not familiar with North Korea it really is one place on this planet that is so detached from the rest of the world mm-hmm. but yet its own its own bizarre society you know, when Scorpio also talked about, it was Scorp- yeah, Scorpio talking about turning on the TV when you're there is three channels. It's all government. It's all political stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's not like, I don't know what kind of entertainment programming, if any, they have over there. I well, don't know if stuff changed. It's, it's, it's Scott, it's Scott Norton said later on, uh, when the, the crowd finally came alive for the Anoki flare match, he said it was like the first time they've ever been entertained. Yeah. Yes. And that, that might be like, not just, you know, hyperbole. Yeah, um, and so it it did. You know, if you ever, if you ever look at North Korea, even if you if you do, uh, you know, God, I forget, I forget if it's there. There's available on like the internet. I don't know if it's on Google Maps because I'm not sure. If, I don't know. Well, I know there's no Street View, obviously, for Google Maps, but like the satellite imagery, I think has, like, all their buildings and stuff are just gray there's no color or life to it it's just gray yeah I've heard and it's too. really shocking to see because once i don't know it was late i was down a rabbit hole and i was looking at this stuff I was like my god it's just it's it's really bizarre it's really mm-hmm. weird yeah yeah I've, I've, i think i've seen that too uh
1: and so that's when uh former cnn correspondent mike chenoy that he's interviewed for a bit um said how bizarre it was to have a wrestling show and as you mentioned a, a, a country that is so closed off from the rest of the world um, and kind of this weird clash of, of cultures and, 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 and whatnot.
0: And the, they um, have he, these yeah. big elaborate parades and events. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, they're, from what I understand, the idea is to it's propaganda to show, to convince their own citizens that North Korea is the superpower on the planet. Like the, their people literally actually believe that North Korea is number one. And to do so, they'll put on these extravagant things, make everybody show up. So it's like, oh, this is proof that we're number one. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And uh, Chinoa goes a bit of, uh, you know, tells a bit of the history of relations between Japan and North Korea. Um, uh, This is an interesting story from Eric Bischoff, where he says, so one morning I just want to get, get, I got up and want to go for a run. Yeah. And so he didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell his, uh, his handler got you know uh, and went for a run he said he, he he started running it was dark out and there's no one on the streets and
0: Nobody. The, the great thing is the reenactor they made sure to dress him in the most like I mean honestly early not like 1991 1992 looking jogging wind windbreaking, yeah. you know windbreaker jogging suit it's like a, it's like hogan colors like red with like a, a yellow voltish mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. stripe through it yeah so it's like yeah, the yeah. most shockingly american thing you could wear
1: yeah and the, and all the extras in the reenactor are just wearing drab it's all drab yeah Um, close so he says he's running and as the sun's coming up people start coming out to the streets and he says that happens they see him and they part Mm -hmm. and he says and and everybody's got the look of absolute terror on their Mm -hmm. face yeah and it it seemed like for him that's really the
0: first time he's like okay Things are different. And he brings up that there's like a line of school children as well. And that's what really shook him. He was like, you know, it's one thing to see looks of terror on people. But on children, it's like extra messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all look like, yeah, I mean, imagine you've been told that Americans are pure evil. And it's like, you know, you try to get into your head. okay, what would that what would the equivalent of that be? And you just think of like, I don't know, like uh, a Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw running down the street with like a, a bloody chainsaw, you know, like it's something that would be just weird. But like, I'm trying to think of something equivalent, you know, to, to like how we would react to something. And it's difficult to, cause we haven't been conditioned for the most part, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, and so then we get to the subplot of, of too cold Scorpio and Hawk having beef with each other. Um, and, uh, too cold Scorpio says it all kind of predates the North Korean trip. He had flare, uh, sorry, had heat with Ric Flair, uh, during, uh, Something that happened like six, seven, eight, like eight years. seven 8 years, yeah, yeah. And he said he let it build up, and so he's still holding a grudge. He believed that Flair had him fired from WCW yeah, for something. Yeah, for something that that two cold Scorpio or had done or something, or Flair had perceived that two cold Scorpio had done. So uh, during the the beginning part of this trip in North Korea, Hawk was riding with Ric Flair, and then just one day he decided to get on the bus with with everybody else. And so Flair comes out. And he's like, looks like he's looking for somebody. And 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 Hawks, oh, I wonder if he's looking for me. Should I get off the bus and ride with him? And Scorpio shouts, F that pussy, let him ride by himself.
0: <laughs> and Hawk was like, what did you say? He said, what part didn't you understand? The part where I said, F that guy, let him ride by himself or when I called him a pussy. <laughs> and then they got into this nasty fight. Where apparently
1: two cold Scorpio almost popped out Hawk's eye.
0: Yeah, he said, I had my finger in his eye and it was like halfway out. And then, like, the Japanese guys pulled me off and they got enough, you know, a uh, distance between us. And then he, like, gave him another kick. And that's when Norton said, You know, Hawk was on some, he wasn't in a good way and he was on some meds that mm-hmm. really, like, gave him flu like symptoms. Mm-hmm. But if he wasn't on those meds, it would have been a different story, according to Scott Norton. Um, but, uh, but yeah, do you believe for one second that Bischoff hadn't heard of that incident? Not a chance, not a chance. He was probably on that bus too. He was, he was probably on the bus. And if he wasn't, I guarantee somebody said, Hey, Scorpio almost, you know, popped out Hawk's eye, you know, like there's more to the story though. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It got worse. Yeah. They got, it go it goes way further. So uh, Scott Norton tells about uh, he's there for a couple of days. He finally gets to talk to his wife on the phone, and she's mad at him. She thinks that he's just out there partying, uh, hanging out with the other wrestlers, and not calling home. And he's like, "No, no, no! You don't understand what's going on here. I don't. I can't get the phone." He says, "You don't understand." Uh, to quote him, "The shithole country I'm in." And then and the phone clicks, clicks, and he thinks that she hung up on him. But soon enough, there's uh, people knocking on his door. It's, uh, some soldiers, they escort him out of his room, take him someplace else, and he doesn't know where he's at. No one knows where he's at at that point, he says. And this uh, government official comes in and tells Norton, he can't say anything wrong about North Korea. You're essentially banned from making phone calls. And Norton was under the impression that this was serious, like serious yeah. business, yeah. as in he they'll might put, not walk out of that they'll, room.
0: They'll put you a know? bullet in his head, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so he's like, all right, I just want to get out of here. Sorry,
0: he apologized, and they let him go. Yeah, um, yeah, that was absolutely nuts. Um, that was after he also told a story about going down to play pool because I think that was like yeah. sort of the, the the culmination of you know him being frustrated there because mm-hmm. you know they're in their hotel room, nothing to watch, nothing to do. So him, Benoit. And uh, uh, well, they got
1: soldiers outside their, their yeah. They got hotel. soldiers
0: outside their hotel all day, and they yeah. go downstairs, and he was like, "I was shocked." There was a pool table down there, and he said it took two hours for the receptionist to get us the the pool balls, the 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 balls for the pool table. She said he said they had to run it through by the government to get us the the pool balls, and uh, and so they got them, and he uh, he's going for a shot, and the the, the cue ball goes flying off the table as it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it hits the marble floor and it starts bouncing and they get all pissed at that. And they take the balls away and they start smashing the balls, And, uh, and he was going to throw down with one of them. And, and I forget who, I think maybe it was Hawk. Maybe it was Benoit. I forget. It was, I think it was, might've been Chono. Oh, was it? Okay. I and think. he was like, Hey, don't, don't do that. You're, you you do not want to do that here. Um, uh, and then I think it was yeah. And then the, so there's the Norton bit, and then we get back to the unsettled beef between Scorpio and Hawk. Now, did Scorpio's apology come first? Like he he tried to break bread, and Hawk took a swing at him. Yeah. And so then- they're they're at, they're at some ceremonial uh, event at a temple,
1: and this is where they tell the story of Muhammad Ali just like taking his jacket off, rolled up his sleeves, and shadow boxing. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know so they leave the temple and that's when uh as you mentioned uh Tuchel scorpio kind of extends an olive branch to hawk and hawk just turns around and decks him and then so scorpio goes after him uh tells hawk he's going to kill him uh but that's broken up so later on they have a state dinner and uh, too cold scorpio had, had hatched this kind of plot where they had stainless steel chopsticks for that dinner so he dropped one drop one put it in his in his suit and asked for another. And so he he, he left the dinner with a couple of, of stainless steel chopsticks. He goes back to his hotel room, which he's sharing with Chris Benoit. And he opens a window, and the window is made of concrete. So he's there sharpening the ends of
0: this chopstick to make a shiv. He's like, I know how to make a shiv. Yeah. <laughs> and Benoit's impressive. like, hey. You think I don't know how to make a shiv?
1: And Benoit's like, don't do it. If you kill Hawk here, you're going to be in North Korea for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and uh, so more on that in a bit so it's like the day of the show uh Norton and Flair are riding there together and he says Norton says there's two lanes I assume on the road of people just walking to the show Mm -hmm. and they're like oh my gosh this is a huge crowd and uh and their driver says yeah everybody's forced to be here yeah um Mm. and then of course Bischoff he hears about the crowd thinks Enoki is a genius they're leaving Wrestlemania in the dust (laughs) Oh man, that's good. And so then it's the experience of, of putting on these matches for uh, this crowd that has no idea what they're watching, mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. And it's just silence. There's there's some great uh, editing here with some shots of people looking kind of confused, Eating people food. yawning,
0: yeah, yawning,
1: yeah, yeah. doing food. everything but being interested in this. Yeah. And Norton's talking about how quiet it was. He says at one point, Hawk got up on the turnbuckle and started cussing at the crowd, asking them why they were here, why yeah. they were there. Yeah. Uh, I guess it wasn't until Ric Flair and Antonio Inoki had their match, the main event, that the crowd got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess the you know the, the in North Korea they are aware of Inoki's connection to Ricky Dozen, and, and it, they made it sound yeah. like Ricky Dozen was, was a bit of a folk hero.
0: Yeah, and and Norton also described sort of the psychology of the match was maybe different than what the other wrestlers had been doing. He says they went old school and sort of just used a lot of strikes and made it look a bit more like an actual fight. And of course, you know, that's where Ric Flair being there comes into effect because, you know, he was just selling like crazy for a Noki mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, and then you actually see, you know, the, the crowd start to come alive. Um, and, uh, and, and Norton had it so eloquently in his own way. He was like these people who had never seen pro wrestling, who had never been enter- entertained, didn't know how to, how to process this even they understood this main event match and they were going wild for it. And he said, that's why it's the greatest wrestling match of all time, because especially because of the circumstance, which is a fascinating point of view. It really is. It really is.
1: Um, So let's get back to the two cold Scorpio, uh, Hawk saga. Uh, uh, so there's a ceremonial dinner they have after the shows. It's like the last thing they got to do before they get to leave. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, they're going they're leaving their hotels rooms and so too cold scorpio finds himself face to face with hawk yeah and he's like all right how do you want to do it you want to finish this what do you want to do and he says hawk is saying nothing he's getting the elevator and and scorpio says he kind of backs in so he keeps his you know eyes on on hawk the whole time and then hawk tells too cold scorpio i ran out of pills i ran out of roids i ran out of smoke i got nothing i let my nerves get to me i got upset he apologizes, Scorpio says, All right, I accept your apology, but you still want to finish this when we get to Tokyo,
0: let me know and we'll finish this. He's like, I got this shiv ready to go. I wonder if he was able to smuggle the shiv onto the uh onto the plane going back to Japan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: One thing we didn't mention at the beginning is when they showed up in North Korea, they they uh, apparently like the customs room they went mm-hmm. through Scott Norton said it was just thick, covered with dust because no one had been there. Yeah. And they confiscated like all their technology. Yeah their passports, their
0: passports which really freaked them out
1: yeah because yeah. Norton says as a wrestler you don't go anywhere without your passport yeah. you know Yeah. Um, and Bischoff was talking about how they were there for four days everyone was worn out exhausted tensions were running high um, and it says once they got their passports back and got on the plane back to Japan it's like everybody's kind of whoo,
0: relieved you have Flair like in his you know $5,000 suit and his uh, alligator shoes got down on hands and knees and kissed the the tarmac um which is yeah, quite a sight to see. And speaking of Flair, you know, I, I assume he's under a WWE Legends contract of some sort, so he probably couldn't be interviewed for this. Yeah, but it's funny because I, I do feel like the the interviews they got. I mean Bischoff, you kind of never know because you know uh, Bischoff will craft a narrative. I think that's been sort of determined at this point. Um, but uh, you know Norton, I thought was great. Straight shooter, Scorpio, uh, straight shooter. Seems like he's really you know. Uh, playing it straight, Inoki. You have no reason to believe that guy's going to lie about any of the stuff that he was talking about. And so I feel like we didn't probably get any embellishments. And I feel like if they had gotten two people that have really, I would have really been curious to get their point of view. Scott Steiner, because he was there, yeah. and and Rick Flair. Mm-hmm. And Flair is probably an impossible to interview at this point because he's with WWE. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious well, if they even tried. With Steiner. I mean,
1: they got they got Stone Cold in the the debut episode. I don't know what Stone Cold, if
0: he's under any sort of WB contract or not. I mean, no, um, I, you never know. You never know how they can get people. You just sort of assume maybe they reached out. I mean, Flair, you would have thought they would have reached out to oh, yeah, him yeah, at the yeah, very yeah. least. So you know, yeah, you, you assume anybody
1: connected was. with WB, you know, strongly connected WB would be probably a hard get in terms of interviews.
0: I would think so, yeah. I wonder I wonder if they even approached any of the, either of the Steiner brothers. Yeah, um, who knows? But, because uh, yeah, Scott Steiner, that would have been, I mean, God, have we ever pitched to those guys a Scott Steiner episode? Just him? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know really what the hook would be. It's just yeah, I don't know. He's Scott Steiner. <laughs> he's just Scott Steiner. Can we do a dark sign on Steiner math? There we
1: go. Just everything about that promo. It's um, not real math. So uh whatever uh, goals uh, Antonio Anoki had, from a political standpoint mm-hmm. with this trip, yeah. apparently blew up in his face because yeah. he his bid for reelection failed. And apparently he was out of politics for a while. Mm-hmm. Um and and uh, yeah, they'd wrap it up with Bischoff talking about how he thinks Vince was livid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that the show outdid anything WrestleMania never done. Yeah. And then he said, I did that. I did that.
0: <laughs> Freaking Bischoff. I like I like his uh his intro too. He says, "Yeah, I spent a couple minutes in the wrestling business, and ever since then, I've made money looking back on it." Mm-hmm. I don't know. Bischoff is hilarious in his own way, but uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It was such a roller coaster, and that wonderful subplot. And it's funny. I love how you can hear—I uh, don't know if it's Jason or Evan or, or somebody else—in the background when they first ask, when they're first asking about the incident. So tell us about. Have you heard of Scorpio and and Hawk, and how too cold Scorpio almost murdered Hawk? And they're like, hadn't heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> not until now. Yeah, well, get out of here. Get, get out of here. here. Get out of here. <laughs> that was great though. But what a, what a, what here. an unexpected subplot.
1: Yeah, um, I was not expecting that. I mean, I was just kind of expecting some of the madness of being in North Korea. Some of the you know. Uh, even some of that, uh, like the, the pool table bit, like,
0: mm-hmm. like they get upset that the cue ball got flown off the table. Nuts, just nuts. Just, I couldn't imagine um, everybody being on edge. I mean, when Bischoff talked about his handler being livid and him being really concerned that because she, he slipped through her hands, she might be taken away and shot, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of place we're, we're talking about here. Um, mm-hmm. It's absolutely, it's absolutely nuts. Like, it, may, it literally made me want to go and be like, okay, man, let me go read up some more on North Korea because it is mm-hmm. it is fascinating. It's like a giant fucked up social experiment, you know? So uh, what do we have next week? Do we know? Uh, they said it was the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, that's right. Ooh, wow. Okay. Well, that'll be an interesting one. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Of course, last week we did... Uh, uh, the Nick Gage episode, so that's available, and uh, the to the Brian Pillman episode, that's available too. So you can check those yep. out. And yep. uh, yeah, we'll be back with Warrior next week. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate it. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye.